we are just beginning as a church, a church-wide um, 21 days of prayer, and you can pray more than, than the 21 days, please, but 21 days of specific, intense, deliberate prayer and fasting for the purposes of seeking God, for the purposes of being more hungry for him. Um, if you were not here last week, I encourage you to check out, go on our website, go on our app, check out the message as we've talked about fasting. Um, it's one of those words that maybe you don't hear in 2020. Uh, very often. It's one of those words. It is a four-letter word, and, and sometimes I don't like to talk about fasting because I really like to talk about eating, um, and fasting is, is not eating. And we, So if you weren't here last week, go, go online, listen to the message. We are pretty practical and just talked about why we're doing this and what a fast is. Just a little bit of recap. Um, to fast means to not eat. To abstain from eating, to close the mouth, and we cleared up last week, that doesn't mean you don't talk for 21 days. Okay, so husbands, wives, you're not off that easy. You still got to talk to your spouse for the next 21 days, but it means to go without food to some degree. Um, and so we as a church are deciding to abstain from physical food in order that we can feed the Spirit. Because we believe that life in, lived in the Spirit is the way that God has called us to live. Amen? And so we are going to intentionally not eat physical food so that we can be more attentive to what's going on in the Spirit and what God is doing. Um, you know, you talk about fasting, and, and it's really interesting because it's not just some old school thing that should have died 2,000 years ago. Okay? It's not this archaic, like, oh man, we're going to fast now. If you want to take it that way, you can. But if you look all through the Old and the New Testament, they talked about fasting. They talked their, to their kids about fasting. Jesus himself, God himself, fasted. So if Jesus fasted, there's probably benefit for the New Testament church to make that a part of your regular Christian life. Because it is a, a powerful weapon. Right, and my, one of my goals as a pastor, you know, one of my favorite scriptures is in uh, Ephesians 4, and it talks about that God brings leadership to the church to see the saints be equipped. And, and one of my desires as, as a pastor is to see that the people that I get to lead are equipped to live the most successful and victorious life. And so in order to do that, we've got to talk about all the weapons, right? We've got to talk about all the tools that God's given us to live an effective life. Amen? So, that's a little bit of fasting. So, for the next 21 days, we are going to on purpose pray, because sometimes you just pray on accident, right? And you're like, oh, I just need something really bad, and you pray. So we are going to on purpose pray. We are going to on purpose set time aside to seek God, intentionally believing for a heightened God awareness in our lives. How many of you want more, God, more of God in 2020, right? How many of you want more of his presence in your life? Right? How many of you want more of his presence when we gather Sunday mornings here? Amen? Man, so I want a heightened God awareness to be in our midst. Um, so there's different, different types of fasting. Again, listen to the message on our website. We've got some resources. We've got like a 70-page guide 
to prayer and fasting that just answers a lot of practical questions because you all have those questions and I have those questions. So you can do different things, right? You can fast a meal a day. You can just fast for a day, do a three-day fast. Some of you might decide to do a full uh, 21-day fast. I don't know what God's asking you to do, um, but I'm not asking you to do anything specifically other than ask God what you should do uh, for this this fast. Um, In addition to that, as Alicia said, this morning, with the lights kind of low, you're looking at me going, there's no way, Pastor Justin, I'm fasting. I like my food too much, so I'm just going to sit here and it's all good. I'm okay with that, right? Um, If that's you this morning, that's cool, but here's what I'd say. If you don't want to fast, that's fine. I encourage you to come to our prayer nights, right? We're just doing three of them for an hour, the 9th, the 16th. We are going to seek God and believe that he is going to do great things as we gather together to look upon him. Amen? So come to those things. All the details are on our website. And then lastly, and I know Alicia said this, but get a book, right? It's just $10 in the back. Um, Can you imagine if all of us in this room... For the next 21 days, we're reading the same scriptures, we're praying the same prayers, we're believing for the same things in our lives. Can you imagine the synergy and the energy and just the focus that would be around those things and a lot of prayers going up for those specific things? I think some amazing things are going to happen over these next 21 days. So go grab a book. It will put a little purpose to your prayer because sometimes... Um, if you're like me, praying for half an hour, that seems like a long time, right? It's like, man, how am I going to pray for a half hour? You know, I only pr- I'm used to praying for 10 seconds. Well, this book will help you to build those spiritual muscles of praying for more than your dinner. Amen? So you can uh, get that book after the service. Um, you know, and I was, I was thinking about fasting, and, and I think it's, uh, there's times... In the Bible, where God's people were obedient to do what God said, but it still did not make the heart of God happy. Right, parents? You understand that. When your kids obey, but they do it with a terrible, snotty, rotten attitude, the act of obedience was not good enough, was it? Because they did it. Like a little, you know, just, you know, with a little bad attitude. Not that I'm speaking from personal experience, because our four kids are perfect, like their mother, or like me. (laughs) Right? But all through the Old and the New Testament, we see God's people fasted. This wasn't something new. Um, In fact, in the Old Testament, they did it. In the New Testament, they did it. And there was times that it pleased God's heart. But then if you read the times, the Pharisees, they were some of the chief fasters of all, right? They were the ones who fasted more than any of the other believers. But there was times that it made the heart of God sick because they did it with the wrong motive. And so I want to make sure that we're not just doing it because, oh, (laughs) what else should we do? But that we're doing it with the right motive. And so I want to read Isaiah 58, starting with verse 6. And this is the Old Testament. And this is what I'm believing for as we fast together, as we intentionally are taking some time. But it says this, and this is uh, the heart of God speaking. And he says, is this not the kind of fasting that I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, and to break every yoke. 
Is it not to share your food with the oppressed or the hungry and provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and to not turn away from your own flesh and blood. Verse 8, then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. So the type of fast that God, that moves God, God's heart is the fast that is done in faith. It's the fast that changes the life that you are living today. Listen, we are not fasting just to have a good, you know, to say we did a good thing. No, we are fasting because we believe that the life that we're currently living and the situations that we currently find ourselves in and that our vision and the way that we see God today is going to be different in 21 days. Amen? Amen. So my question after reading that scripture is what chains are still holding you? Come on, think about it. Think about it in your life. What are the things that you're still bound to? It may be addiction. It may be a habit. right? It may be sin. The thing that you keep going back to. What chains in your life still need to be broken? Can you believe over the next 21 days that as you seek God, those chains may be broken in your life? Okay, the scripture talked about injustice. Come on, injustice is something unfair that happened to you or something unfair that happened to me. Injustice might be disappointment. Injustice might be abuse. Right? Are there things and injustices in your life that happened to you still affecting you and ruling you? Maybe... God wants to heal you from some of those things. Maybe you haven't been able to get past some of those things. It might be a year ago or 30 years ago. Maybe God wants to break those injustices over your life as you seek him and go to a more clear picture of his heart. Amen? Amen? What bondages are keeping you oppressed? When I think of bondage, I think of the things that people put on you. Right? Sometimes religion can put bondages on you that God has never meant for you to carry. Rules, regulations, ways of doing things, right? approval. Man, if you're still living your life looking for the approval of man, maybe this 21 days God wants to break that once and for all over your life. Okay? Could it be that's the type of fast that God has for you? The scripture talked about the hungry. My question is, who are the hungry in your life? Come on, I'm not, I'm not just talking physically, like, oh, hey, we just went to the grocery store. Sweet, me too, right? Not, not, not just talking about the physical hungry, but think about it. Who in your life is spiritually hungry? Who in your life does not have a relationship with Jesus? Think about that. Do, you, do they have a name? Do they have a face? Or are, they, or are they just another person that you brush shoulders with every day? Right? Because I believe that God wants to put the hungry around you. He wants to give them a name and a face. And I'm challenged myself with this. 
Right? How about, it talks about the poor or wanderer that needs a place. Maybe you are the place for the poor in your life. Come on, what wanderer is in your life that maybe God is asking you to be the source for them for this season? Okay, that's the type of fast that God is looking for. Amen. He's not looking for a fast that's just about ritual and the right things to do and don't do. He's looking for a fast that is going to change lives. You know, thinking about this new year, um, I don't know how many of you like to do New Year's resolutions or goals, right? I do like goals. Goals help me stay focused because I get really squirrel um, really fast, and uh, it's not good. So goals really help me, and, um, and I hope your resolutions are off to a good start, right? I hope you've gone to the gym for four, four days. Um, I hope you're going strong, doing all those things. Um, I don't, I'm not trying to be negative um, this morning. I like to be positive, Pastor Ryan. You know, I don't, I don't like to be a negative person. Um, but statistics say by this time next week, 30% of you, not 30% of me because I'm perfect, no, 30% of you will have given up on your resolution or your goal. 30%, that's one-third of the goals that people set are going to be gone within two weeks of starting the year. That's like pretty, could be pretty discouraging if, if you're the 30%, right? If you're not, then you're good. And some of you are thinking, well, that's why I don't do New Year's resolutions, because people don't keep them anyways. You're the worst, right? Because <laughs> I'm just going to break it, right? The stats get, get worse because they say in a month, that 30%, by the end of the month, goes up to over 50%. So over half of us in this room in one month will be back doing the old things that we did that we wanted to change 30 days ago. Okay, that's like, you know, that's, that's, that's a pretty real stats. You know, it has nothing to do with PMA, right, positive mental attitude or desire, right? A lot of times, how many of you know the desire is there, right? When you have a goal, like my intentions are usually pretty good. But the thing is, when resistance comes, we have a choice to make, don't we? When resistance comes in, in our physical life, but also in our spiritual life, we have a choice to make. You know, I am believing God for an amazing year. Is anyone with me? Okay, I'm believing God for great things, for great visions, for great provision, for great miracles. But it's not that this next year is going to be conflict-free, opposition-free, worry-free, just smooth sailing from here to my dreams. That's not what makes it a great year. What is going to make it a great year is I'm believing that my perspective on God is going to change in these next 21 days. That my vision of who he is, what he's about, what he's capable of is going to change. How many of you know that perspective is a real thing? Okay, I am believing that God is going to change my perspective over these next 21 days so that when the negative things happen, I'm still able to press through and say, but we serve a good God. Yeah. How many of you uh, remember the rain that came like two, three weeks ago? Remember the rain? Did anyone's basements flood? 
Did anyone's houses flood? Right? So I know some people whose basement flooded. Our basement actually flooded. Um, And I was thinking about it, but here's what I believe that our prayers are going to be like. Our basement's flooded three times since we've lived in our house. And, you know, that's a bummer when it does. One time my wife was, like, really pregnant, and that was an exciting time. This time, you know, we're not living at our house right now, but but our, our basement flooded. And I was thinking about it only floods when the water has nowhere else to go but through our cement. That's exciting. And uh, I was thinking that that is what God wants to do in these next 21 days, that he wants us to so saturate the spiritual soil of our life that when he shows up and that we are so hungry and so full of him that it doesn't take very long for the spiritual water of his presence to just come up and be visible and overflow us. And so I'm believing for the spiritual uh, water table or climate of our lives to be raised so that when God does something, we notice it. Amen? And I'm believing that for you as well. The title of my message today is Persevere Until Perfect. And some of you are thinking, no thanks. Because I'll never be perfect, right? We talked last week about the word perfect means the word complete, okay? So persevere until complete, okay? Because, again, I know we're in church. We're not supposed to lie. But the bottom line is we all have our untils, right? We all have our untils. God, I will, I will sow into this relationship until what? God, I will tithe until times get really tight, right? Been there, done that. God, I will serve until that first time I don't get a thank you, and then I'm never serving again. God, I will serve, right? Or God, I will not forgive until, right? We all have our untils, don't we? Right, we all have our different things. We'll all change. I'm not gonna change until she changes. See how that one works for you. Right? Doesn't, doesn't work, right? Because she never changes. <laughs> but we all have our until. And I want us to, over this next 21 days, to say, hey, we are going to persevere until we are perfect. Until we are complete. Until we see the promise that God has for us. Right? How many of you like good uplifting scripture verses? Right? We all like those, right? One of my favorites is Jeremiah 29, 11. Right? It's on the screens. It says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, uh, plans uh, to prosper you, not to harm you, plans for a hope, plans for a future. How many of you want that? No? Yeah? Yes? Yes? Me too. Right? I, I, I want this. Okay? Verses 11 is not possible without verses 12 and 13, which say this. Then you will call on me, you will come, you will pray to me, and I will listen to you. Right? We all want the hope in the future, but are we doing the calling, the praying, and making God listen to us? Right? Verse 13 says, you will seek me and find with me when you search for me with your whole heart. Okay, So we want the hope. But I believe God wants to fill us with a perseverance that is going to do the searching and the seeking so that we live in the hoping. Amen? Amen. So the word, and I've shared this before somewhere, um, maybe a pursuit night, 
maybe in my car, I don't know. But the word search in that scripture is the word duresh, and it means to create a well-worn path. Okay, It means to create a path. Right? And I think a lot of times we don't see in our lives the promises and the fullness of what God has is because we have not established a well-worn path so that when the times get tough, we go on to the other well-worn path that we're used to. Right? When things go bad and things go hard, what is your response? Because right? you're going to do what you've trained your body and your mind and your spirit to do. Right? So when, when I look at... Um, when I look at a thing going on with our kids, my initial response when they're not acting the way that I think they should act is to worry and say, oh, God, this kid's in trouble. What are we going to do? Well, I'm creating new paths over my kids because when I see things in, in the natural that don't line up with the spiritual that God has for them, I want to create a new path that I go down and start praying prayers of faith over that kid instead, instead of worrying over that kid. So, moving right along this morning. I want to talk about some promises to the pursuer. If you're saying, you know what, Justin, that's me. I want to be one who seeks God with my whole heart. How many of you want to be one of those people? You can raise your hands. I'm not setting you up. Right, I want to be one that says, you know what? I'm going to live in the hope that God has for me because I'm going to do what the Bible says to do. So here's some promises. Number one, those who seek God will always find him. Have you ever played hide and go seek with a two-year-old? It's the best. Because you win. Right? Our, our, when our son Titus was two, let's play hide and seek, Dad. Okay. He goes, I'm going to hide. Okay, I'll count. And he goes, okay, come find me. Opens his eyes. He's like, you found me. I'm like, you didn't go anywhere. Right? But that is a promise. When you seek God, the op- there is no, well, what if I don't find him? The option is if you seek him with your whole heart, everything you are, you will find him. Yeah. And Hebrews 11.6 says, and you will be rewarded. There is a prize for finding a God that is easy to find. Come on, we're getting a pretty good deal out of, the, out of this thing, aren't we? You know, and some, some of us this morning may say, well, I've done this in the past. And nothing's happened. I've sought God in the past. And, and I don't know what the answer is. Maybe, you know, you quit too early. Maybe the answer was there and, and you were looking for a specific answer and you didn't get that answer, but God gave you a different answer. I don't know. But here's what I know in Romans 10. It says this. It says, whoever believes in him, and the Amplified says, whoever adheres, trusts, and relies on him will not be disappointed. Come on, you cannot lose by going to God. You cannot lose by seeking God. You will find him and you will be rewarded for it. Here's the second promise today. Is some of us, when we talk about seeking God, we get really anxious and we get really worried because we say, well, I, I, I don't know how to pray. I don't know how to seek God. I, I don't know how to sing. I don't know how to, how to do all these things um, that have to do with seeking God. It's okay because God puts a desire in our hearts to seek him. 
Okay, you do not have to conjure up this desire because God himself is going to stir that desire inside of your heart. Okay, there is going to be a Holy Spirit longing that is going to create desire. And here's what I know about desire. Desire creates desire. The worst thing you can do when you're hungry is what? Think about McDonald's. Well, yeah, that is the worst thing you can think about when you're in oh. But the worst thing you can do when you're hungry is think about food, right? Hunger creates hunger. Desire creates desire. So as you step out, right, Philippians 2 says it this way. It says, in, uh, starting with verse 13, it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good purpose. The Amplifies, I love how the Amplified says it. It says, for it is not your strength, but it is God's who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work, that is to strengthen, to energize, to create in you the longing and the pleasure. To fulfill your, Amplified says, pleasure is what the Amplified says. Listen, if you say, God, I want to seek you, and if you start applying yourself to seeking him, I'm telling you right now, God will meet you. He doesn't meet us halfway. God meets you where you are. You don't have to conjure up anything, right? You don't have to stir it up. As you seek him, the desire for him is going to only increase in your life. Worship team, would you join me up here, please? Lastly, and you guys can just play. I've got, I've got another point to make. Here's a promise to the pursuer, and you're not going to like this one. I don't like this one. But the promise to the pursuer is this, that you will get breakthrough in your life when you press past the obstacles that are in the way. And I say you wouldn't like this because it means there's obstacles. It means it's not a clear path. But you will get breakthrough when you press past the obstacles. Here's what I know about obstacles. Obstacles do not mean you're going in the wrong direction. You know that? I know a lot of people that say, well, I started doing something for God, but I got some resistance. And so I figured it probably wasn't God. Can I tell you, obstacles in your life can very much mean that you are heading in the right direction, that you are doing something right. It doesn't mean that, oh, I must have missed the boat on this one. No, sometimes those obstacles are what's going to create the testimony that you are going to profess in the next 30 years. You know, if you, look through, if you read your Bible, which I know a lot of you do, you know, all through the New, New Testament, we can see stories of men and women who pressed through in order to get their breakthrough. Okay, we had the blind beggar in the New Testament. He was blind and he was a beggar. He pressed through the crowd. He pressed through the noise to get his breakthrough. Uh, we have uh, the, women, the woman with the issue of blood. Do you remember that story? The Bible says she had a, a blood issue chronic, and, and she, she pressed through the crowd 
to touch his garment. Right? There was an opposition. There was a, a, a blockage, and she went through it. A blind Bartimaeus, one of my favorite stories, right? The son of Timaeus. Okay, blind Bar- Bartimaeus, blind guy. Everyone was saying, be quiet, be quiet, be quiet. And what did he do? Kept yelling. <laughs> Why? Because he needed a breakthrough. And he needed Jesus to come his way. How about the dad whose child died? Mm-mm. I'm going to do whatever I can to get breakthrough for my kids as a father. Right, so all through the, the Bible we see this. So we pick up this story in Matthew 8. And it says, When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Verse 3, it says, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Okay, nothing, nothing spiritual there, right? Touched him. And he said, I am willing. Be clean. I am willing, be clean. The last part of the story says, immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Okay, so think about this story for a minute. Because I think it's important that we put ourselves in this situation. We've got a man with leprosy. Okay, whenever Jesus went out and about, what happened? Crowds gathered. Why did crowds gather? Because they needed a miracle, they needed a breakthrough, or they wanted to see a miracle, or they wanted to see a breakthrough, right? Some of them probably just got the popcorn and thought, I'm just going to see what Jesus does next, right? I just, I just want to see him heal these blind. I would, want, I would want to be there and be like, I just want to see him heal and raise one more dead person. Man, I would just be there and popcorn and all. I just got to see this God. So large crowds flocked to Jesus, right? Because they, and they brought their sick. They wanted to witness something real. Okay, and suddenly, so we got this large crowd. We got Jesus. I picture them around him like a mob, like, my goodness, if I could just touch his garment, if I could just, you know, have him touch my eyes, right? You got all these needs. You got all these desires in the crowd, all these unmet things. Suddenly, a man with leprosy comes and kneels before him. Parents, have you ever been over at someone's house? You're just hanging out, having dinner, and then they say, oh, my kid had the flu two days ago. Right? What do you do? You're like, uh, we're leaving now. It's time to go. Right? Or, or you're in an elevator with someone. I did this when I was like 16 and really silly. We were in a crowded elevator, and I went to my buddy and said, hey, man, how's that rash doing on your knee? Right? <laughs> And these other people in that, he didn't have a rash. Well, he might have. I don't, I don't know. Um, but, but all these other people in the elevator looked at him, and this one lady goes. <laughs> right? She gets away from the ki- guy with the rash on his knee. Right? So imagine what happens when you are in a crowded room and a man with leprosy comes through the room. Imagine what the reaction could have been. Thousands of people lining the streets, and here comes a leper. Not just a leper like, oh, I just got diagnosed, and 
you know, I still look normal. No, the, the Bible says that it was um, late, later stages of leprosy. And if you've done any, any research on leprosy, your, your skin and your, your digits fall off. Your skin decays. I don't know if you've ever been around something decaying, but I'm sure the smell was there as well. So you've got this man with a rotting body coming to the crowd. Right? He's probably going to have direct access to Jesus because everyone's going to be like, whoa, you first, my friend. <laughs> you first. Okay, and not only that, but, but if you look culturally, the Jewish people were taught how to deal with the lepers. In church, they were taught, this is how we handle lepers. We create camps. We put them in the wilderness. We make them all go together and just contaminate each other. Right? Different rabbis, if, if you read and if you, you do research, that they would teach much like we would teach our kids if a stranger offers you candy. Right? We tell them to say, stranger danger. Or we tell them to, to, to run away. Well, in those days, the rabbis would teach the people to yell, unclean, unclean, unclean. So can you imagine you walk into the room and people are like, unclean, nasty, dirty, gross. Okay, not only that, but they said if that, you know, if that doesn't work or if they keep coming, to get rocks and start throwing the rocks at the leper. Why? Much like you would do to a, an animal that is coming. Why? Get away from here. We don't want to be infected. So can you imagine how embarrassed he probably was coming to Jesus, knowing I'm going to get a rock thrown at me, knowing I'm going to be called unclean, knowing this is really going to be humiliating if I come and I don't get healed. Right? I mean, it's one thing if you get healed, but what, what if Jesus isn't on his game today? Right? What if Jesus just doesn't have it? What am I going to do? Come, put yourself in this man's situation for a minute. Imagine the fear, the rejection. Here's the deal. I think we all have our fears and rejections when it talks about coming to Jesus. Right? We all have our, well, what if my sin gets found out? Well, what of this? Well, what of that? What if I don't get healed? What if I seek God and my marriage is still a mess? Well, you're going to be closer to God and you're going to have a clearer picture on how to pray for your spouse. Listen, in one moment with Jesus, everything changed for this man. Yet as we begin this fast, don't settle for the broken version or the incomplete version of what God has for you in 2020. Don't allow your fears to keep you from coming to him. So if you keep reading the story, I, I mean, we read it, but the leper presses through, right? And, and Jesus, it says he touched him. Well, that'd be a no-no for a rabbi to touch something unclean. Okay, he touches this man and he says, I'm willing. At the end of our pursuit, 
is always a willing Jesus. Always a willing Jesus. Would you stand up for me today with me, not for me? You can... I just want to pray over us today. You know, I think about, I think about where we're at. And I think about at the start of this year, I think about some of you, some of me maybe used to run real well to God. Some of you maybe used to be really passionate about seeking God and maybe the, the truth is you're just not right now. Can we believe that as you take this time to seek God, that there is going to be a new fire that is going to rise up inside you? Some of you, because of some of the issues like the leper that we talked about, have just said, you know what, I'm just going to keep my distance. And if God wants to touch me from here, he can. I believe that there is going to be a new fire and a new faith that is going to rise up inside of you today. And I believe at the end of this, you will find a willing Jesus that says, I am willing. Be healed. Be free. Be complete in my name. Amen? So I want to pray for, t- for just two, two types of us today. Number one, if, if there's people in this room that don't know Jesus, and this, you're here and you're saying, man, I, I have brokenness in my life, but I don't know who this Jesus is, I want to pray for you. Um, if, if that's you this morning, just for a moment, would you just look at me, raise your hand so I can know if I'm praying for anyone? Cool. Okay. Second of all, I want to pray for for us in this room that maybe have obstacles in your life and you say, I want these things gone, but, you know, I'm kind of tired of of dealing with it, Um, but but I'm not going to allow these obstacles to keep me from Jesus any longer. I have goals. There's a fire that's not burning there. Um, If that's you this morning, can you just raise your hand and say, hey, that's me. If you want more of God in your life and, and there's been obstacles, you can raise your hand. Okay, a lot of us in this room. Come on, close your eyes and then we're going to sing to close. But come on, let's, let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Father, I thank you for this season of pursuit, for this season of seeking you for the purpose of finding more of you. Father, we recognize that you are the ultimate life change that apart from you, we cannot, as the Bible says, do anything. And so, God, I just, I thank you for this season. Father, even for the season of 21 days of intentionally raising the spiritual climate in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, in our church. Father, I, uh, I thank you that at the end of our pursuit is always a willing Jesus. And Father, you see the hands of those who said, you know what, I just want a new fire to burn within me. That, that I have allowed different things of the past to keep me from experiencing God. Uh, I've allowed lies. I've allowed deception. I've allowed failure to keep me from pursuing God. Father, I pray over this um, 21 days, Father, that there would be a, a new fire that ignites in our hearts. Father, not like a fire that we're familiar with, but I pray, God, that there would be a new fire and a new level of passion. Father, that over these next 21 days, that there would be lives changed as a result of knowing you more and hearing your voice more clearly. 
Father, that we are not just fasting just to do something cool, but Father, we are fasting, believing that our lives and those around us is gonna be different because we have a greater revelation of who you are. So Father, all over this room, Father, I just pray, God, that there would be an open, an openness for people to come to you. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's sing out. Come on, let's end today. Let's give God the praise. Let's worship. Let's believe that he is going to break through in our lives in this next uh, 21 days and in this year. Amen? Come on, let's worship together. Come on, lead us.